I'll, uh, I'll follow up a little bit on what Joel, Joel said, uh, uh, and he actually took my first point, which is I'm, I'm not Joel Teague, so in case, you, in case you don't know, I'm not Joel Teague. Uh, he, uh, he had actually come to me uh, this week, and uh, he, uh, we had discussed, I told him how much I appreciated his series on uh, fear and anxiety, and uh, just, just some of the things he had, he had said and how much I enjoyed it. And um, I actually mentioned to him that I was committing, I was trying to commit Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 through, 24 through 34 to memory, and, uh, he, uh, which is all about fear and anxiety. And if you want, you can turn there right now, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And uh, Joel came to me Friday and uh, asked me if I'd be willing to teach on uh, what I was trying to memorize. And I thought, okay. And uh, it was Friday. And it feared me with much uh, fear and anxiety. So I thought, well, that's good. That's all right. I'm, I'm teaching on it, and uh, it'll be very applicable uh, to me. Um, as Joel said, uh, my name is Matt. I've been at this church for 13 years. You probably maybe know my wife, Lisa. We've got four kids. And uh, uh, if I don't know you, I might know your children because a lot of the kids came up through youth. I taught youth for years. And so uh, what's scary is when I look out here and all the, all the youth are now older and married and having kids. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just I'm getting old and time is passing very quickly. But uh, uh, it's good to uh, see you all this morning. Well, this passage, uh, for me, is one of the best passages on worry. And uh, one of the things that the study did, uh, uh, Joel's study did a 13-week study on fear and anxiety, one of the things that that pointed out to me is how much the Bible speaks to this subject, right? And uh, you kind of know it. You look in the Old Testament, you see David writes the Psalms, and David talks a lot about uh, trusting the Lord, right? So, uh, uh, David's running from uh, Saul, and uh, he's uh, constantly going to the Lord, saying, you know, my enemies are after me. Lord, I trust in you. Uh, you look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah talks a lot about this idea of anxiety. If you ever read Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah goes to the Lord, and he says, essentially, God says, hey, I want you to go preach. And Jeremiah says, God, I, I don't, I don't want to preach, right? I, I don't want to. And, and God says, hey, you're going to go do it. Um, and Jeremiah says, Okay, I don't want to, but I'm going to. And uh, he says, essentially, God says, listen, I'm going to give you the words to speak. And you literally can go throughout the Old Testament. It talks a lot about trusting the Lord. talks about fear and anxiety. But in this passage this morning, I think we really have one of the clearest passages that talk about uh, the idea of worry or this concept uh, of, of, of worry. And uh, worry is one of those things, I think, that uh, we all do in a little way. And, and, and Joel had mentioned that a lot of people have re- really appreciated his study on on fear and anxiety, and I think probably because all of us at one time or another uh, have to deal with it. Now, some of us, uh, we deal with anxiety, and it's something that we kind of just get past real quick, and I hate you people that do that. You know, you're anxious, and you just, boom, you're right past it, right? Uh, for me, it's something that I struggle with uh, a, little bit, a little bit more, um, but it's one of those things that uh, we all do. Uh, we know we shouldn't do it, right? And uh, yet, we still struggle with it. It's like trusting God, right? How many people believe we should trust God? You don't have to raise your hand. And then the question is, how many of us always trust God? Uh, not really. You know, sometimes. You know, at times we do, and at times we don't. Well, I think worry is, is really kind of the flip side of that. Uh, it's something we know we shouldn't do. The Bible speaks to it very clearly, uh, yet we, we all do it. heard a quote the other day that said, Worrying is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it'll get you nowhere. Right? And this is, that's kind of what worry is, right? You just, you're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then when you happen to look up, you realize you haven't, you haven't gone anywhere. Joel says it's like a spin cycle. You know, you get on a subject and you think about it, you think about it, you think about it, 
and yet uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. You're in the same place. Uh, Spurgeon said this about worry. He said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its own strength. And so many of us have probably heard that quote, um, and, uh, and you know it to be true, right? Worrying about tomorrow doesn't do anything for tomorrow. It just makes you uh, weaker uh, today. As so I was thinking about this concept of worry uh, and, and the idea of anxiety in the Bible, uh, and when I kind of discuss this with Joel on how to approach it, I think a lot of us look at anxiety as kind of almost this, um, this far-off thing, right? It's almost like a phobia, you know, this, this kind of almost irrational sort of thing. And, and, and we look at anxiety, and, and the Bible's going to tell us even in this passage that in a sense it is irrational as a Christian because God uh, loves us and asks us to trust in him. Uh, but so many of us look at, at, at fear, I think, and anxiety as like a phobia, like you fear that aliens might attack. Or you fear that a meteor is going to strike the earth or climate change or, or all of these different, different things. But I think for a lot of people, uh, anxiety uh, may not be as far off as we may think. For many of us, anxiety really has to do with our day-to-day uh, life, right? Our job, our pressures of life, children, all these, all these things that are uh, with us all the time. Uh, Joel talked about finances, right? Uh, how many of us go an entire week without thinking about finances. I, I don't, right? I think about it quite frequently, right? We have a, this thing called a paycheck that comes about every couple of weeks, right? We have these things called bills uh, that happen usually monthly, and we have to be concerned about these things. And your jobs, uh, you have to plan things out. And a lot of times you'll have a plan for what you're going to do, and then you kind of have to have a contingency plan of what you're going to do. And sometimes you have to have kind of a plan C as to what you're going to do. And that's not necessarily wrong, but when it crosses over into anxiety, uh, that's when it becomes a problem. For many of us, we have pressures at work, right, or quotas. We have a quota we've got to make, or a budget, or projects, or upset customers, or that boss uh, that is constantly on you, or maybe two bosses, or you've got a supplier that won't go through, right? And these are the things that I don't think we necessarily talk about, but for many of us, and I think Maybe some of the guys in here, nothing, nothing against the women either, but for many of us, that's, that's really kind of the source of more of our anxiety, the stresses of the day, uh, the stresses of work. And it's not wrong to think about these things, but in this, Christ still tells us not to worry or to be anxious about these sort of things. In this passage, Christ is going to talk about the necessities of life. Christ is going to talk about the things we need, the things that we need to live. And when you kind of work from the greater to the lesser, right, the things that we need to live, uh, that we, we are, we're concerned about, uh, to the lesser, Christ is going to tell us we don't, need to be, no, we don't need to worry about anything, right? We simply need to trust him. In this passage, he's going to talk probably in some of the most clearest terms to talk about this idea of worry and how we simply need to trust him. All right, that really long... With that really long introduction, let's go ahead and read verses 24 through 34 of chapter 6 of Matthew. It says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and, le- and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is kind of a long section. It's going to be almost kind of like an expanded devotional this morning. We're certainly going to get into this a little bit. uh, But you can read these verses. And for all of us, you can kind of read this and do almost a cursory reading of it, almost a flyover. And I think it speaks to each one of us just on its face. You can look at it and understand it pretty, pretty easily, right? Christ is going to talk in very clear terms. And for most of us, you read it, and, and at, least, at least for me, uh, you look at it and it just, you're like, you're nodding. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, 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 that makes a lot of sense, right? Why do you worry about tomorrow? Because tomorrow will take care of itself. Yep, that makes all the sense of the world, yet in our regular lives, we don't, we don't do it, right? We, we fail at this. Yet we read it, we understand it, it makes sense. Uh, we say we believe it, uh, but living it is a different sort of matter. Look at verse 24. So we start off the passage. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Joel talked about this, and I'm kind of springboarding off his, uh, his series, if you will. But uh, Joel mentioned this, and it, it, it stuck out to me, this idea of, of this verse right here. Most of your Bible, if you've got a, uh, a paper Bible, I see a few people that actually still have paper Bibles. If you look at verse 24, in most Bibles, they group that with the previous section. Uh, they kind of group it uh, up there. And Joel pointed this out. He said, no, this, is, this actually probably is better off going with the next section. Why would we say that? And by the way, if you want to talk, raise your hand or, or just interrupt me, that's fine. But you look at this verse, and why do you group that with the next section? What in the next verse maybe makes you think you'd group it with the next section? Therefore, right, right. Your first, first rule of hermeneutics, right? Therefore, what is it therefore, right? And you look at that and you see, well, yeah, it's, it's connecting back to this verse. It says, uh, no one can serve two masters, right? And then it goes on to the next verse and it says, therefore... Christ says, therefore, do not be anxious uh, about uh, our lives. And Joel pointed this out, and it, it really kind of stuck out in my mind and uh, gave, me, gave me something to meditate on, this idea of being divided of mind. And that's really the idea of worry, is your mind is, is taken over here, right? You're divided up between uh, two uh, different things. In verse 33, later on, and we'll get into this a little bit more, Christ says, but seek first the kingdom of God's righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And this is really going to be kind of the counter to that verse. Uh, you can't serve two masters, right? You can't, you can't serve two different people. You can't serve God, and you can't serve money, or some translations has this idea of worldly goods, right? And if you're doing that, uh, you're going to be anxious. And, and in verse 33, the solution to that is to what? Seek out one thing. Seek out the kingdom of God, to be single-minded in what you are doing. So much of worry is being divided in your mind. I don't know about you guys. Um, from time to time, I'll worry. I'll, uh, I come home uh, from work, and I'll have something on my mind, 
and uh, my wife will want to talk to me. And uh, she's talking to me, and I'm like, yep. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And she'll say, well, what, what did I just say? I'll say, mm, that you love me, you know? And then she's like, no, you didn't say it. I, did, I didn't say that. Um, I'm, I'm not paying attention. Why? Well, because I'm divided in my mind. Uh, I am thinking about something else, uh, right? Uh, this, is, this is a definition of worrying. Actually, worry in other places in the Bible, that's what the actual meaning is. It means that uh, you are divided uh, in your thinking. How many people have ever had two bosses before, right? Two managers. If you've worked a job and you've had that, you have one manager over here, and uh, they've got an agenda, and then you've got another manager over here, and they've got a completely different agenda. And you're trying to what? Please both people. And uh, it becomes a bit of a mess because you're trying to do two different things and trying to make both happy. And when maybe two don't get along, that's, that's a real problem. Well, in this verse, Christ is going to say, listen, you can't serve God and you can't serve the world, right? Uh, you can't serve God with his value system and you can't serve uh, the world with its value systems because uh, they're two different entities and their value systems are what? They're completely different. They're just, they're just completely different. And one of the sources of worry, I suspect, for a lot of people, including myself at times, is that I'm trying to walk this line, right? I'm trying to uh, live a life in which I'm pleasing to God, right? That I'm, I'm, I'm living for God. And then on the other, other side, I'm trying to please people or I'm trying to do certain things. And, and one of the things that Christ, I think, is going to point out in this verse and later on, he's going to say, essentially, listen, when you're trying to do this, you're just going to have an anxiety-filled life, right? So one of the things that we need to do when, if we're struggling with anxiety or we're struggling with worry is we need to be, what, single-focused. Uh, it's not that we forget all the things that are happening in our life, work and things like that. We just need to make uh, the priority of the kingdom. Uh, we need to make that a priority in our mind. All right, verse 25. He goes on, he says, what, do not be... Anxious, right? Do not, don't, don't try to serve two different masters. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Christ says, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. And literally, this is translated, the tense in the Greek is translated, uh, stop worrying. You could say, therefore, I tell you, stop worrying about your life. Stop. Just, that, just stop. Just, just forget it. Stop doing it. Don't, don't do it anymore. Your life. This is, uh, the word for this is your worldly possessions, your material life. He says, stop worrying about your material goods. Just, just get it out of your mind. Uh, walk away from it. You need to stop, stop worrying about such things. And you say, well, what, what is that? What, what are, what, what's your life? And, and Christ uh, really tells us what that is. In verse 25. Look at verse 25. What are the things that he lists in verse 25? What's he say first? He says, do not be anxious for the life. What you will what? You will eat. He says what you will eat. What you will drink. And he says, uh, nor don't, be, uh, wor- don't worry about your body or what you will put on. And you look at that and you say, okay, so what I will eat, that's food. What I will drink, that's water. And uh, what I will wear, that's clothing, right? Food, right? Water and shelter. What do you need to live? Food, water, shelter, right? This is what Christ is telling you. He said, listen, don't worry about the things that you need to live. I and mean, that's, that's 
kind of an astounding, astounding statement, right? Um, but during this time, that, that's, that's what would happen. People, people were living hand to mouth. They'd get, a, they'd get paid, they were day laborer, and they would go out and they'd buy food to feed themselves so they could live for the day, right? They, they could live for the day. And again, working from, if you will, the greater, right, the things that we need to live to the lesser, we are to worry about nothing, right? We take this to our own life and we think about the things that we worry about, the pressures of work, quotas, budgets, customers, things like that. Um, some of us worry about other things, social status, the car we drive, how we're treated at work, popularity. Um, it's a big one for people, especially young people. Um, how many of us really think about starving, though? I mean, probably not too many in this room. Most of us are, at least myself, I'm thinking about dieting. I've uh, come off of the sins of Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking, man, I gotta, I gotta slow my roll a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I've eaten way too much. And you're heading into the holiday season, and you're thinking, oh my word, I've got, I've got all this food that's going to be presented to me. I don't, I don't worry about starving. I worry about, frankly, frankly, putting, putting on pounds, right? But during this time, this would have been a real, real concern for people, uh, what they were going to eat, if they were going to have enough to eat. Christ is really going to go on. He's going to talk about food. He's going to talk, uh, talk about clothing. And he's going to give us examples as, as to why we are not to worry. Look at verse 26. Look what he says. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Right? For a lot of people, when they're anxious or they worry, they, it gets displayed in different ways. Some people get angry. They lash out. Uh, some people do a, a form of escapism, I think, video games or movies or television shows. But I think most people, uh, when they get anxious or they get down or depressed or whatever that is, they, they tend to just kind of look down, if you will, just kind of look within themselves, focus in on themselves. And Christ says what? In verse 26, says, look at the birds. Sometimes you get this feeling like it's like, look up, look around you. Right? Take, take your focus off yourself and just, just look around. Look at the nature around you. He's going to talk about the lilies of the field next. And he, says, look, he says, look at the birds, right? Uh, look at them. Uh, Christ says, look up. Look around you. You ever watch the birds? I mean, every so often, I, you know, I tend to just forget about them. Every, every so often, I'll just look. And they're constantly busy, right? We see them all the time. Actually, I had bats in my attic, of all things, which is on the screen, which is nasty. But... Just fascinated with these things. But birds, are, they're, I don't know why I said that, but anyways, I'll just go with it. <laughs> but anyway, so birds, they, they fly around, they're busy, they're, they're you know, flapping their wings, they're going, and, and they're, just, they're just looking, and they're going, and, and we'll look out on our deck, and I'll see a cardinal, and it's here, and it's gone, it's here, it's gone. And uh, I actually looked on the internet. Birds actually eat up to half their weight, a quarter to a half of their weight every day. Right? The internet said it, so it must be true. So just, I'll just go with it. But uh, birds eat a lot. And uh, you look at them, and, and Christ says what? He says, look at them. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not sowing, they're not reaping, they're not planting, they're not harvesting. Uh, they go out, and what do they do? They eat, and then they go back, and then they go and eat some more, and they go back, and that's all they do, right? They don't, they don't have committee meetings. They don't think about, hey, you know, we're getting low on our supply, and we think we should go plant a field, right? They don't do any of that. And Christ just says, look at the birds. They just go out, and they eat, and they come back, and they eat. And God, what, provides for them, Right? Look up at the birds. God feeds them. They're constantly busy, and they're constantly going, and they're not planting, they're not, they're not sowing, they're not reaping. Yet, Christ tells us that God cares for them. 
God cares for them. God feeds them. And, of course, the idea is clear. He says, listen, aren't you more valuable than birds, right? And we're, we're obviously different. We're, we're humans. We're made in God's image, and we plan for the future, and that's not wrong. The uh, Bible tells us to do that. We're to plan for the future, but we're not to be consumed with tomorrow. And Christ is going to talk about this as we get a little bit further into this. Again, working from the greater or lesser. If God cares for them, he certainly cares for us. Uh, keep your finger there and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse 28. And Joel touched on this a little bit, and I'll uh, touch on it some more. Um, Verse 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy destroy both soul and body in hell. And And are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body and hell. And there's a lot here, and I'm not going to touch on everything. And uh, Joel talked about this a little bit, the, the, the having the right fear, right? We, we need to fear the right thing. Uh, we don't fear work. We shouldn't fear man. Uh, but you need to have a healthy fear of God. Uh, but look what he says about birds, right? He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And this is from the same sermon, right? This idea of the birds and how much more valuable we are uh, than uh, the birds. I think the birds were the cheapest of the sacrifice. I think that's what the doves were the cheapest, that the poor people. And it says that God even cares for them, right? And, and he says, he says, fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows, right? You're, you're of so much more value than that. We need to fear God knowing that he cares for us, right? Turn back to Matthew 6. Turn back a little bit, or I should say, yeah, back a little bit. And then verse 27. And as, as Christ goes through this, it's like he's almost kind of just layering on more and more and more. You know, hey, I'm going to tell you over and I'm going to explain it ad nauseum why you shouldn't worry. And look what he says in verse 27. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? A single hour to his lifespan. Some translations have. Uh, a, a, a cubic to his height, and I'm not going to get into the phraseology uh, of this, but the, the, the application is fear, right? By worrying, uh, how, how uh, you can't add a single hour to your life, uh, you can't grow another foot, uh, you, you really can't do anything in your life by worrying. It does, does nothing uh, for you, and yet so many of us try to plan out the next day. We try to plan out the next hour. We try to do all these all these things. I heard a story of a person who tried to plan out an entire day to the minute. Uh, he tried to plan out an entire day, and he said, okay, I'll, I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to eat breakfast at this time, I'm going to get my car at this time, I'm going to get to work, and I got a meeting here. He had planned out to the entire minute. So he gets up, eats breakfast, gets going, gets in his car, and heads down the road, and he gets a flat tire, right? And pretty much just blew, blew his entire day up, right? And so many of us are like this, right? We think we know what the future is going to be, right? We, we know what the problems of tomorrow are going to be. We know that this is going to be a problem, and we're sure that this is going to be a problem, or we're sure that this is going to be an issue. And Christ says, listen, you, worrying, you, you might be dead tomorrow. I mean, I'm sorry to 
fill you all in on that, but you, re- you really might. He says, listen, you're not, you're not numbering your days anymore by worrying. Uh, he knows exactly uh, when your time is going to come. He has every hair on your head uh, counted or every uh, lack of hair on your head counted. So why would you worry, right? Why would you worry? In verses 20 through 30, we see why, then, we're not to worry about clothing. We know why we're not to worry about our food. He feeds the sparrows. He feeds the birds. Uh, we, we worry does nothing for you. And then he goes on, and he talks about clothing. Look what he says in verse 20. He says, why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Uh, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about, about my clothes, right? I mean, in the way that they worried about clothing. But clothing back in the day was a big deal. People owned maybe one or two sets of clothes, and that was, that was kind of it. Uh, I always find it interesting that you know, people are into fashion. I'm not that much into fashion. And you say, well, yeah, I can tell. You know, what you're wearing. That's fine. Uh, I'm just, just a guy, but uh, and nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with fashion if, 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 if that's what you're into. It's, it's good. But I, always, I find it interesting that just how much uh, focus is into our appearance. Um, I'll go shopping, and I've, I've signed up uh, a couple places, put my email in there, and I just get, I just get email after email about the, the new fashion or whatever it is, right? Uh, uh, falls here, and you need this, and then, you know, Winter's here, you need a coat, and then spring's here, and Hanukkah, or whatever. You, know, you, need, you need your new clothing for whatever, whatever that may be. And uh, we're so consumed with the material of the day. Well, during this time, clothing was actually there to clothe you. That was, that was it, right? It was there to keep you warm uh, during, uh, during the, the, the cold times, right? Uh, but during this, during this time, people had maybe two sets of clothes, and that was it. Uh, in Matthew 5.40, same sermon Christ said this, he says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. The tunic was the inner portion of of what you'd wear, and the cloak was the outer portion. And Christ says, listen, if someone wants to sue you and take those, uh, just give them both, right? Just just give them both. And you you look at that, and you're like, man, that's that's all I have. You know, this is just my only only clothes. I mean, that, that would have been a huge statement for Christ to say that. And so... In this chapter, when Christ says, don't worry about your clothing, that would have been a real concern for people. I mean, that would have been one that I would have chalked up on my list and said, oh, I, I, need, I need to worry. You know, this is something I need to be concerned about. But Christ says, no, right? And he says, well, don't be nervous about your clothing. He says, he says look up, right? Look, look around you. He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And again, this is something we, we all know and we look around. I went up to Cloudland Canyon a few weeks ago to see the fall colors. And you're walking and uh, you're walking along the canyon you, and you see all these just bright popping colors. The wind blows and the leaves fall and it's just, it's just gorgeous, right? And you look at that and you say, well, there's, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Or some of you have seen the, uh, the, the, the campaign in Georgia where they were planting flowers in the ditches. And I think, oh, that's nice. Where are all those flowers right now? They're dead, right? In my backyard, now I just have piles of brown leaves, and uh, then they're now all wet, piles of brown leaves. And 
uh, trying to burn those and get rid of those. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, Christ says, look at the lilies. And during this time, the lilies, they would come up and they would die shortly after. And what they would do is they would gather all this dead grass and they would throw them in these portable ovens, if you will. And it was just a cheap, quick source of fuel. And you put it in there and it would just burn very quick. And people just kind of forgot about it, right? These, these, these fields, these lilies uh, that were so beautiful, just like that, they're gone. And now they're just being burned and they're forgotten, just, just like that. And Christ, again, uh, working uh, from this passage, says, listen, why should you be concerned about this? God can clothe the fields. He can clothe the hillside. Uh, he can clothe it with some of the best, brightest colors that you've ever seen. Don't you think that he would be concerned about your clothing? Rhetorical question with a rhetorical answer. Well, yeah, right? He, he certainly would. He says, look up, look around you, look at the lilies of the field. In verse 29, he says, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, right? He says, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. For the Israelites, for the Jews during this time, Solomon was a picture of glory. He was uh, the, the rich and the famous, right? This is, this is the guy you would look at. And Christ says, listen, even Solomon, in the height of his glory, didn't even come close to looking like this. And again, working from the greater to the lesser, if God created the flowers, don't you think that he would care for you? Yes. Yes. We believe that, right? He says, don't worry about food. Look at the birds. Don't worry about Uh, clothing, look at the fields, and then verses 31 through 33, Christ is really going to give us the crux of the problem. I think this is kind of going to be the, I don't know, the the slap in the face, if you will. Um, This is kind of, in my opinion, almost a crescendo of this passage. Verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what should we wear? Right? Food, right? Uh, Water, and shelter. Don't, don't worry about those things. Then verse 32, it says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In verse 32, it says, It is the Gentiles that worry about these things. Right? The Gentiles, and you could really just say unbelievers. This is what unbelievers do. Right? They worry about their material life. This is what they do. This is, this is what they do. Why, why, why do unbelievers worry about these things? That's, exactly, that's in my notes. That's great. So, yeah, that's, that's all they got, right? That's all they have. This is all, this is all they have, right? Um, of course they worry about those things. I would worry about those things if I was an unbeliever. I worry about those things sometimes when I'm a believer, and it's, and it's sin. This is all they got. This is all they have. This is all that they have to hope in. As believers, we shouldn't worry about this, but instead be concerned with the kingdom of God. Again, when you worry, this is a tough statement. I, I typed it, and I had to really think about it. When you worry, when you're anxious, you don't have a worry problem. You have a trust problem, right? You have a belief problem. And that's, that's kind of the, unfortunately, that's kind of the crux of the, of the message, right? This is, this is the problem. Uh, we don't truly trust God like, like we should. It gives me great comfort when I read this, and Christ says, Oh, you of little faith, right? And you can have little faith and, and be a believer, right? And Christ says that all over the New Testament. Some people have great faith. Some people, some people have very, uh, very little faith. And at times we, we 
I think we just have uh, little faith. In verse 31, he says it again. He says this, this phrase again. He says, don't worry. All right, don't be anxious. Same phrase that's used in verse 25. It's used in verse 31. In verse 25, do not, anx- do not be anxious. The, the Greek tense for that is stop worrying. And when you get to verse 31, uh, it mean, it, 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 it's the same English word, but in the Greek, it means don't start worrying. So in verse 25, he says, stop worrying. And then you get to verse 31, it says, don't even start, right? It's almost like Christ is saying, all right, don't worry. And then if you're thinking about worry, worrying, don't. Just don't even start. Don't even think about it. Don't go down that path. Don't let your mind wander down that path. Uh, you need to just quit, right? Stop. And if, if you haven't stopped and you're thinking about it, uh, don't, don't even uh, start. Don't even, don't even walk, uh, walk down that path. Instead, in verse 33, we're not to, to worry, we're not to uh, be concerned about the, the, the material life, but in verse 33, uh, essentially I think Christ is going to tell us what we need to be concerned about, uh, what we need to have, uh, I guess, healthy worry for. And look what he says, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so people may read that, and it says, all these things, right? And people take that out of context, and they say, all these things, you know, like popularity, a new car, uh, fulfilled life, all these, all these things. And that's, that's not what Christ is saying at all. Uh, Christ is saying, listen, stop worrying about the material goods. God will take care of, of, of those material goods in, in kind of the greater, greater sense uh, if you will, he cares for the birds, uh, he cares for the flowers, he will care for you. Uh, seek first. This is our top priority. Uh, this is what we are to be thinking about. And as I stead, said er, earlier, it's not wrong to think about things of life. It's not wrong to, hey, I've got a plan to go to work tomorrow, and I've got things to do, and that's, that's all well and good. But your first priority in your mind should be, the kingdom of God. And that's, that's really the point that Christ is uh, going to make in this passage. Jay Adams says this, and you might want to really take a deep breath because this is, this is pretty, in my opinion, pretty convicting. He says this. He says, God wants you to seek to please him first and think about the problem of fear secondly. That is why when speaking of worry, a lesser form of fear in Matthew 6.33, he commands Seek first the kingdom of God's righteousness. If you put anything else first, even the desire to rid yourself of a terrifying fear, you will discover that you will fail to achieve either goal. God will not take second place, even to a legitimate concern to be free of fear. I kind of had to just let that soak for a minute there. That was, that was a pretty tough one, right? Because so many of us are, are running from anxiety or running from fear or we've got this or that. We're trying to escape in various ways, and um, what Jay Adams says, and really what this passage says, is that your first priority should be to seek out God. If that's not what you're doing, then you're not, gonna, you're not going to escape your anxiety, anxiety problem. Uh, you have a trust problem. In verse 34, he kind of just rounds out this section, if you will. He says in verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, right? And this is, that's a, that's a quotable right there. Great, great, great verse that, that we see from, from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
Don't be anxious about tomorrow. That's pretty much what worry is most of the time. You're worrying about what might happen or the next day or things that you have to do. Christ says, stop worrying, right? For tomorrow, you're going to have your own problems. So many of us look and we have a decision in front of us that we're going to have to make. I actually have a decision I've got to make in front of me that's kind of causing me a little bit of anxiety. And uh, we, we look at these things and, and we think it's going to go a certain way, right? We, we have an idea and we have it all planned out and, and we go to the, um, the worst case scenario. I'm going to do this and it's going to be, it's going to be terrible. It's awful, you know. And uh, how many times in our life we think that and then we get there and it's not exactly what we thought. Or... We have all these scenarios in our mind of what we think is going to happen, and, and then that doesn't happen, and then we have a whole new problem the next day. We all, we all kind of know this, and we've had it happen, and we think about it, and we're like, oh, good, you know, and then a day later, we're thinking that we have it all figured out. We're worrying again about what might happen, and Jesus, I think, in this, uh, this section, in this last verse, essentially is saying, what, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why are you worried about these things? You need to stop worrying. You need to not start worrying. And you need to just be concerned with today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. In conclusion, I've got a long conclusion, so stay seated here. But uh, in conclusion, to, to kind of recap of why we shouldn't worry, MacArthur, in his introduction to anxiety attacked, uh, he, he had some just statements, and I'm, I'm citing them here. I, I, I was thinking about putting them in my own words, but I thought, well, these are, these are really good. I'm just going to read them and, and comment on them. Uh, he says this. He says, worry is unnecessary because of our Father, right? Just this one statement. Because of our Father. Well, what about our Father? Well, he cares for us, right? He's good. He's loving. He's kind. We know that this is all true. We know that we are his children. Because that is true about God, uh, we should not worry. Worry is unable to accomplish anything productive, right? You cannot add a single uh, hour to your life. You can do nothing for yourself. The worrier strikes out at God. That's, that's pretty tough. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's a pretty tough statement, but it's, it's kind of true, right? Uh, God, I just don't think I can trust you. Right? That's essentially what worry is. God, I know I've got this problem, but I, I'm going to figure it out on my own because I, I just don't think uh, that I can trust you. Uh, the worrier in practice disbelieves scripture. That's a tough statement, but true. Uh, the worrier is mastered by his circumstances. Uh, Jesus want, Christ, uh, uh, MacArthur says this. He says, Jesus wants us to realize it doesn't make sense to believe God can save us from eternal hell, but not help us in the practical matters of life, right? Uh, we say, well, God, yes, we know you created the universe. We know you created it out of nothing, which we don't understand. We know that you are eternal. We know all these things to be true. But you know, I've got this circumstance, and I don't know if you can help me through this circumstance. It's pretty, pretty impossible. Worry is unwise because of our future, right? Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. We are kingdom citizens. And Joel talked about this. He brought this idea up of... Uh, of uh, one of the uh, antidotes to, to worry is to think about Christ's return, right? We're, we're thinking about his kingdom. Uh, worry is unwise because we know what the future is. We know what the end is. As Christians, we know that. And uh, that is really one of the comforts that early Christians had as they were going through sufferings and persecutions as they were thinking about the return, return of Christ. So what should we do when we are anxious? 
um, a number of things, right? I'm not going to recap them all. Uh, Joel talked about a lot of these. You could listen to his series on fear and anxiety. Uh, you could memorize scripture, which is exactly kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, you can talk to other believers, right? You can talk to other believers that struggle with the same thing. Um, and, and that's biblical, right? You need to exhort and encourage uh, one another. I wanted to point out one more, one more scripture I thought was pretty good. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to close on this. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. This is actually, I, I feel like I'm just stealing everyone's material, but this is Chris Brackett taught on this last Sunday, if you were on Sunday. And it was one of those passages that, for me, it was just one of those things that I meditated on for a little while, just, just thinking about what he said. Because it was, he was talking about the humanity of Christ. He was talking about Christ uh, not only being God, but also being man. And so many of us, when we think about Christ, we, we, we think about his deity, right? We're always out there to protect, saying he was God. We go to John chapter 1, and we think about these things. But so, much, so many of us, I think, I'll, I'll at least say myself for sure, we, we forget that Christ was also uh, completely human, that he was 100% man. And look at verse 14. It says, Since therefore the children share in the same flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power, uh, power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels, angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of, Ab, uh, of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people." For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Right? I'm not going to go through every point from this, but the, the, the main point that Chris made in his message, he said that Christ was fully man in every respect. He partook in humanity. Right? He, in verse 17, it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Right? And he said... Uh, he said, it's not like Christ was God at one time and man at one time. It wasn't like going from two-wheel drive to four-wheel drive. He was always, he was always man. And I, I can't explain that. In fact, it, it kind of blows me away thinking that he was both God and man. He's deity and he's man at the same time. Uh, he learned, he grew. And then from this passage, it says, for he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. And we think about this passage and we talk about Christ's humanity and we say, yes, he had to be man because he had to die on the cross. He had to bear our sins and he had to die a physical death. And all that's true. But what the author of Hebrews is telling us is he's also saying, listen, he had to be man because he was tempted, right? And you say, well, how, what, what, how was he tempted or what, what trials did he go through? Well, uh, let's see. His brothers didn't believe him, right? You can read that from the Gospels. His brothers, they didn't believe him. James later, later on becomes a Christian and calls himself a slave of Christ. But there was a time when he didn't believe him. His disciples were, as, as Chris said, they were dense, right? They, they, didn't, they didn't listen to him. When Christ is getting ready to go to the cross in the garden, his disciples are sleeping, right? Christ is, uh, is sweating blood, and his disciples are sleeping. Uh, when Christ is uh, going through his life, his disciples are arguing, what? Who's going to sit on my right? Who's going to be the greatest, right? And you, you look at that, and you think, 
what in the world? You don't even get anything that I'm saying. People that followed him, left him, the crowds that were cheering him on, that were receiving the benefits of Christ, they were the same crowds that were crying out, crucify him. And so many of us think, well, you know, he was just uh, God and no big deal. We kind of read it through these rose-colored glasses. But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that Christ was tempted and he suffered just like us. And why did he suffer? In verse 18, it says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted, right? The pressures of life that we have are in the same nature, the same pressures that Christ had. So when we struggle, when we are tempted, when we are going through the pressures of life, it's not like we're just out there and it's never happened to anyone else. Christ tells us the same pressures that you have are the same pressures that he had, except his were probably uh, much worse. And Christ says uh, that, or the writer of Hebrews says that he is able to help those who are being uh, tempted, right? We can turn to Christ in our time of need. All right, I'll close with that and uh, close in prayer and I'll dismiss you.